Welcome to our weekly Church on the Rock podcast. For more information, visit us at churchak.org, download our Church on the Rock AK app, or like us on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our weekly podcast. What a great story. Thank you, Brandy, for sharing that. That's going across all of our campuses, and uh, very exciting to see what's happening in your family, your husband, and your baby, and Aaron, and everybody else. Um, coming baby, I know, we just, oh my goodness. Multiplication's happening over there. Um, such a great story, and, and Brandy represents many in our local congregation here that foster, are involved in safe families, and as well as adopt. And we're so proud of you. And that is such a, uh, a, a great, <laughs> such a great and grand call. I don't know why when I get around this topic, I, I, I get emotional at times. It's, it's, just, it's just the heart of God. He has adopted us. And um, I remember when I was first exposed to Safe Families, Ryan Statton, who's on the board of Beacon Hill, it's one of our, Ryan and Sarah, they're usually in the second service with all their kids. And um, he came to me a few years back and says, hey, I got to talk to you about the safe families and how we can get this in the valley and blah, blah, blah. And one thing led to the next. And, and I went in for that meeting and I was rocked. And now safe families is happening all over the place. But um, so th- th- there's just so many wonderful things God is doing to restore. This is why we take this month called Stand, the Stand. And we emphasize what is a priority to God, which is marriage, family, children, and lives being restored, lives being recovered, kids finding their forever home. And we emphasize that through this whole month, and we're in the book of Nehemiah, which is a great example of the walls being built, restored out of rubble, which is a great picture of our own lives being restored. And it's really been a powerful month, and um, testimonies that we've seen across our campuses of people that uh, personally have taken that stand. And tonight, this leads up to our, my announcement for tonight, which is our stand event at the Wasilla campus at 6.30. I go to this every year because uh, it's different. And every time I go, I, I am freshly inspired and I'm moved by what God is doing, what's a priority to God. And it keeps what's really important to God in front of me as a pastor. And, and what's important to so many of the lives that are sitting out here today you who are in this journey um, with children and stuff. And so I, I, it's a very valuable event to me. I'm always there. I'll be there tonight. I just want to let you know that uh, you're welcome. And it's an invitation for you to come tonight to this event if you can make it. And uh, you'll hear all about a lot of the stuff that we're doing uh, as a church when it comes to adoption, fostering, and safe families and all the other things. And there'll, there'll be a lot of organizations there represented, um, I'll just list a few, OCS, uh, foster care, licensed adoption, um, Safe Families, uh, Children Matsu Support Center, HeartReach, um, uh, the Alaska Youth, the Family Network, the Nally Family Services, and there's many others that, who will be there tonight. So there's a representation across the board, and um, OCS, has they're in over their heads, and they have an extremely difficult job. And they have actually come to the church, and they are asking us for help. This began a few years ago. 
and they're still knocking on our door saying, please help us, help us, help us. We, we need you guys. And so the church is stepping in to fill the gap, to fill the vacuum that should have never been there to start with because it's our responsibility. And so tonight you'll have opportunity to come and, and hear uh, how you can be a part of this if you want to be. Maybe you're interested in one of these, say families or adoption or whatever it may be. Maybe you're just kind of going, I'll just find out more information. Or maybe you want to be one of those people that are a support system to the families that are doing all this. Because not everybody is called to adopt and not everybody can, to, can foster or join or take kids in their home. Not everybody can do that. I understand. But we can all be a support. We can find out how we can help a family that needs diapers or a meal or maybe somebody who just needs somebody to sit down with them and have a cup of coffee and, and encourage them. We can all be a support system. And tonight, as well, as, uh, you'll find out how you can do that as well. So I, I hope you can make it. Um, that's kind of what this month is leading up to. Uh, so today, we're going to complete our uh, message in the stand through Nehemiah in chapter 16, mainly. And the title of this message is called The Joy of Joining, because there is a joy in joining what God is doing. And whenever you take a step in your own personal restoration, which we've been talking about this from rubble, or your your assignment, your God assignment, or what you feel like God is stepping you into where you desperately need God. Because whenever God calls you to step into something, it's a partnership with him. Amen? And so today I want to really emphasize what it really means to join God. How do you do that? What is available to you through the Holy Spirit and the Word of God that we see in Nehemiah? Because again, Nehemiah was this man who stepped into accomplish stepped out and obeyed God and to, to accomplish something that was really impossible, really was, to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and re reestablish the city and a place for the people to dwell where God's name could be made great. And uh, it was an impossible process through a guy who wasn't even a contractor, didn't have any construction experience. And here he goes, this, uh, this guy steps up and God utilizes and leverages Nehemiah's willingness and obedience and prayer, as well as the people around him, ordinary people, to accomplish something that was quite tremendous and quite remarkable. While they were facing tremendous opposition through the whole process, a lot of opposition. We talked a lot about that. But this theme of restoration is what you see throughout the book on what God prioritizes and really what in our life is, comes secondary to God's priority. And uh, so we see this restoration to the full purpose of what God has called uh, these people to. It happens before their very eyes. They cooperate. They cooperate with God. It's a partnership. But I want to, again, I want to zero in on what, what are you and I leaning into? What is available to us in the supernatural realm that should become natural to us in the supernatural becoming natural? Well, first of all, I want to begin with Nehemiah himself, because we've talked a lot about him. But Nehemiah's name means comfort of Jehovah. That's what it means. Many scholars actually consider the ministry and leadership of Nehemiah as a foreshadowing role of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit plays in leading us to full restoration and recovery in our own life, in the wholeness. Wholeness speaks of complete recovery, complete restoration. Just as they physically saw the walls being uh, erected and, and set in place, so God was saying, I want to do the same thing with your very life. I want to reestablish you and make you once again solid in God, unshakable, immovable. 
And that's what he utilized Nehemiah and his call as, in a sense, the role of the Holy Spirit, how this happens in our own life, to be rebuilt once again, to be re-envisioned and full of faith and joy, restored to full health and wholeness. The Holy Spirit is intimately involved in this process because apart from the Holy Spirit, this cannot be done. Can't be done. Just as Nehemiah means comfort, he is the model of this Holy Spirit bringing comfort. I want to bring you to John chapter 14, verse 26 through 27. It says, but the helper, the correct translation actually is the comforter, speaking of the Holy Spirit, who is the comforter. That's the word, Greek word parakletos, which is where you get the word we, we call paraclete, the one who the Holy Spirit cleats himself to us to strengthen and uphold us and to comfort us. Because he says the, Holy, the comforter will come and the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name and he will teach you all things. He will bring to remembrance everything that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives, do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither be afraid. Notice he says, I come to comfort, and through that, trouble will leave your hearts. Fear will evaporate because God brings the comfort you need and the strength. John 16 and John 14 both refer to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth who will guide you into all truth. He leads you into truth. In other words, the Holy Spirit is your great counselor. He is your great psychiatrist. He is your comforter, and he guides you and leads you to, to the keys of true restoration and what that means for you. So when you're, look, when you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes into your life and births you into the kingdom. You are supernaturally regenerated in a moment's notice, right? It just happens. All of a sudden, you are made new in God, a new creation. Restoration begins at that point. But when you're born again, it's because you acknowledged your need for Jesus Christ and you said yes to your Savior to, to follow him. And so in that point right there, even at salvation, you had to partner with the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ for you to be birthed into the kingdom. But that partnership does not end there. That partnership continues on in your growth as you become more like Jesus as he transforms you day by day by day. That's the work and the role of the Holy Spirit as you become whole and healthy. Many of you are on that journey. It's ongoing. Yet the Holy Spirit will use the word of God, this resource that God has given us as a powerful tool to transform our lives in this process. God's word, his love letter to you and I. It's breathed out instruction from God. We build our lives on his truth, on the rock. Now, so we see Nehemiah in, the begin, in this book as a role of the Holy Spirit. And then Ezra steps up on this platform that was behind the scenes. He steps on the platform of which represents the word of God. And he begins to read that word all day long. And throughout the whole week, he reads the word as the people being reestablished on the word of God. It's a powerful, powerful passage. And so we see in this passage that we're going to read that the wall is complete, everything's in place, and Nehemiah presents through Ezra the word of God, the law, the prophets, and they're spoken, and they're declared before the people. It's powerful. We'll read it. It's kind of a lengthy passage, but we'll see what happens in the reaction of the people. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1 through 3. It says, Then when the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their own towns, all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. 
And they told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men and women and others who could understand. And all the people listened intently, intently to the book of the law. And now you see the reaction of the people, verses 9 through 12 and 17 through 18. It says, Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and the teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructed the people said to them, this, this day is holy to the Lord your God. That means set apart unto him. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food, sweet drinks. Send some of those who have nothing prepared. It says, the day, this day is holy to the Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Powerful. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat, drink, and to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy because they now understand the words that had been made known to them. The whole assembly that had returned from exile built temporary shelters and lived in them. From days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated it like this. And their joy was very great. Day after day, from the first day to the last, Ezra read the book of the law. Boy, that's a lot. A whole week long. They celebrated the festival for seven days. And on the eighth day, in accordance to, with the regulation, there was an assembly. And so here you see the pathway of restoration, joining the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And there was great joy. And I'm not talking about happiness, which, again, depends on happenings and circumstances in your life. And if that's what you're depending on, I'm telling you, that will, that will cheat you. That will betray you. In. But you want, you want to step into the joy of the Lord because joy is rooted in the Holy Spirit and the Word. Joy is rooted in God. Joy will transcend every other thing that comes against you. And that's a place where there's ultimate human flourishing in the presence of God. It's the joy of the Lord that becomes your strength. No joy, no strength. It's this partnership. It's a recipe that you and I have available to us. There is resources available to you and I to flourish in God through the Holy Spirit working in our life, the activity of the Holy Spirit, relationship with the Holy Spirit, and obedience and following into the Word of God. Because why the Word? Well, I'll tell you, why the Word? Why? Because this book is like, is unlike any other book. There's a lot of good books, a lot of great books out there. But, but nothing is like this book. This is a supernatural power book. It has power to change your life. That's the reason why it's called the Word of God. Amen? That's why. It's not just a human book. It's not just an ordinary book. It's not full of fairy tales. It's not pop psychology. It's what the Bible would say in the Greek, Theanustos, it means it's God breathed that. It's just breath of God. It's come out, right? It's, a, it's the reason why it's the Bible. It's the reason why it has power to change your life because it's not just, just words in print. That's not just what it is. It's, it's not human ideas. It's, it's the word of God. 
and it's powerful. And the word of God is the most powerful thing in the universe because the Bible says that the entire, the entire universe was created by the word of God. That's pretty incredible. God spoke and bam, there it was. That God gave us the universe simply by speaking it. Over and over again, God speaks and it appears, it happens. And the Bible says in Psalms 33, 6, it says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, the starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. When Jesus was walking the planet 2,000 years ago, he, was, he healed the multitudes. Hundreds witnessed, witnessed healings and deliverances and cleansings and all kinds of wonderful things. Raising people from the dead, all because Jesus spoke the word. It's powerful. That's the power of God's word. It's, it restores lives. Jesus said that his words in John 6, 63, he said, the words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. That's something. This is full of spirit and life that God wants to ignite inside of your life. It's explosive. Jesus' words, he's not just, these are not just words. They, they're, it's about spiritual power and spiritual life that has the ability to transform lives and transform society and history and transform people to do the impossible. Hebrews 4.12 says, the word of God is living and powerful. Did you get that? The word of God, look, one day, we just got to believe this. I mean, it has become, got to become the substance of your life. The word of God is living, living. It's alive. It is powerful, it says, active. Living, that's the Greek word zeo. That's where you get the word zoo or zoology. That's where the girl's name comes from, the, the, the zeo, zoe. means live. It's living, it's alive. It's not just words, it's powerful and active. The Greek word here is the word energos. That's where you get the word energy. It's the energy of God. <laughs> it's powerful stuff. Hebrews 4.12 again, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the added thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It's, it's like a surgeon's scalpel. I mean, it just has the ability to cut right to the issue, to get right to the details, uh, surgically removing stuff from our life, pointing things out. Like, like uh, the, the, the Israelites were standing before the word and they were weeping and wailing because the word was showing them, identifying what went wrong. And they're like, cut to the quick. I mean, they're like, no. It has the ability to cut right through. It's not a chainsaw. The skill saw, it's a scalpel to correct what's wrong in my life. Like the Israelites, you're saying, this is, this is where correction needs to happen. What do I need in my life? I tell you what I need in my life. I need change. You need change. There are things I don't want, things I want to change, things that need to be changed, things I cannot change on my own. I like what D.L. Moody said. He was a, a very famous pastor in Chicago over 100 years ago. He says, the Bible is not given to increase our knowledge. The Bible was given to change our lives. Not for information, but for transformation. And here in Nehemiah, set before the people, the dramatic reading of the word is being released, and they're weeping and they're wailing. 
because they realize how far they've slidden, how far they have rebelled, how everything went wrong in their life. And the word of God was putting a microscope on it, was, was, was cutting it out and saying, this is where you went wrong. And they're just cut to the quick. It was authentic, pure, godly sorrow as they were grieving and wailing. And finally they says, don't do that anymore. God sees your sorrow. There is a time to weep. There is a time to repent. But don't live there anymore because there's also a time for restoration. There's also a time to acknowledge your deliverance and move into your tomorrow with great joy and celebration because of what God has for you. There's a future celebration and he wants them to step into it. Amen? Come on. You can't live in that place forever. You got to take that step into the joy that God has for you. I want to encourage you, join God, invite the Holy Spirit, live by the word of God, and embrace the joy that he has for you for the future. That's a recipe for hope and success. What else will God's word do? It will restore your life. God will rest God's word will restore your life. What's that mean? Well, it means if my life has been falling apart, if it means like maybe somebody in this room feels like your life is a flat-out dumpster fire, then you run to Jesus and his word because there's restoration there. He can recreate your life through his word. That's what the Israelites were doing. What were they doing? It was a new day for them to recreate their life. They just saw it all around them as the walls were recreated and rebuilt. The structure was there, and God said, now I want that for your life to recreate it. A whole new life, a fresh start, a new beginning. Nehemiah calls them to celebrate this new day that they're stepping into. It's like being born again. It's that dramatic. It simply means you get a whole new life. The Bible states this uh, very clear in James 1.18. It says, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth. Wow. Notice the spiritual birth of salvation comes through the word of truth. You heard the word, you believed it, and you were birthed into the kingdom. The Holy Spirit planted the seed, the spermata, into your life, and it began to take root. Without the word, you couldn't be saved. Without the word, you wouldn't be heading for heaven. Without the word of God, you wouldn't even know about heaven. You wouldn't even know about the cross or what Jesus accomplished for you. It's in the word. You wouldn't know how to trust God. You wouldn't know that God has a divine purpose for your life. How, how, you just wouldn't know any of those things you need to know without God's word. But let me tell you, God knows you intimately, and he wants you to know him, and God is not silent. He's speaking through his word. 2 Timothy 3.15 and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. This book, that's, it's going to show you the path to heaven. It's compared to that seed that's planted in your life, and it begins to grow and overtake and bear fruit. The Bible's compared to that a lot. 1 Peter 1.23 says, For you have been born again, not by perishable seed, but of imperishable. Did you get that? There's something of eternity that was planted in your life that cannot be snuffed out. It is imperishable. It is eternal. It says through the living and enduring word of God, it's living and it's enduring. Oh, I hope you're getting this in your heart today. I'm telling you, this is, this is powerful. The word of God also eradicates my guilt. 
Oh, guilt is a bad thing. A lot of people are ridden with guilt. Uh, there's, a lot of people have more guilt than anything else. Regrets, shame, they're stuck with memories of the past. They can't get over. Either people hurt them and they feel resentment or they hurt somebody else and they feel guilty and it's just, it's just there. And they carry the baggage of guilt. And you got to be free from guilt. And I love what Nehemiah exhorts these guys to do. He says, look, stop grieving from the past. It's time for you to step completely into your freedom and celebrate. No more guilt, no more shame. First John 1, 9, you know that verse? He's faithful and just. Forgive us our sins. We confess him. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know Romans 8, 1. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Look, those are, those are cleansing verses, man. That, that gets the dirt out of your life. And, and, and that's true because simply because of what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. He was punished for us. He took our shame for us. That's the greatest shame reducer. That's the greatest guilt elimin eliminator and eradicator. Whoo! The Bible is given to cleanse you from guilt. I love it. Ephesians 5, chapter 20, 5 tw verse 25 says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water of the word. Whew, boy, I don't have time to tell you everything that the word of God can do today, but this is a powerful one. That means through the word of God, it's through the word of God. When I take the word and fill my mind, it washes me. It washes my mind, the dirt, the grind, the junk, the guilt, the shame. Everything. Word of God has the power to do that. It's spoken. There's a true cleansing power in this book. And it removes guilt. Also, the word can activate my faith. Oh, this is a big deal too. It, it's important uh, because it gives us confidence. And when, you got, when you're full of faith, you got confidence. Let me tell you, my friends, you got joy. There's a joy that comes with that. People are not confident today though. They're, they're afraid. They're not courageous. They're scared to death. They're afraid to take risks, fear of failure, fear of dying, fear of the future, filled with all kinds of fears. And, and they're not living confidently. They're not living by faith. But faith is word activated. It is. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. It is word activated. If you're lacking faith, get in the word. Get a lot of word in you. Just by reading that verse alone can activate your faith. It can get things started. You gain confidence, you gain joy. You read the book, you, you find out you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. This is the difference between the Bible and self-help. Self-help books can tell you a lot of good stuff. They can tell you a lot of the right stuff you need to do but they just don't give you the power to do it. But the Bible gives you the power to do it. Something in you ignites, the power of God's word. It's, it gets in you and it increases your expectations and your faith. I'll never forget a good friend of mine. He, he, we got acquainted with this family. He ends up getting saved. This is way back in the early 90s. Gets saved, gets pretty radically saved. And he starts his journey with Christ. And like anybody else out there and like you in your journey, uh, God begins to deal with you with issues in your life. If you've been, you know, uh, serving the devil for, you know, 30 years, and all of a sudden you get served, I mean, you got a lot of stuff. You got a lot of stuff in the background. And God starts dealing with that as a new believer. He starts saying, you got to deal with this, you got to deal with that. Well, he happened to be a guy who smoked 10 pack, no, two packs of cigarettes a day. That's a lot of smoking, huh? And uh, 
I wasn't saying anything about it. I was just loving the guy and we're growing in this relationship. You know, we have a great friendship and we're, and we're just enjoying life. And I knew it, but I, I, it wasn't my job. It's, you know, God, it's Holy Spirit's job to take people step by step in their own recovery and restoration. It's not my job. Holy, I tried to be the Holy Spirit before. I mean, no, that doesn't work. You ever try to be the Holy Spirit for somebody? You know, and you, you just fail miserably and they hate you, right? Yeah, the Holy Spirit wants you to love him. <laughs> so don't get in the Holy Spirit's way. You grieve him. Let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does. And so one day he talked to me. He goes, man, I'm just so mad. I'm just, Rrr. so why are you so mad? Because I smoked two packs of cigarettes today and I got to have a cigarette. I said, oh, well, okay, well, I'm just, you know, Lord will help you. And he says, no, but I really want to quit. I really want to quit. And God was really dealing with him. I thought, you're really serious about this, aren't you? And God quickened the verse, a passage to me in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, where Paul said he was struggling with a thorn in his flesh. And Paul said, you know what? I've come to the place where I, I, I boast in my weaknesses. Because when I boast in my weaknesses, then I become my strongest. Because that's when Christ's power rests on me. Because his grace is sufficient for me. And I just rattled that off to him, and he stopped, and he thought, where was that again? I mean, he's getting into the Bible for the first time. And for, that was a big revelation to him. For me, I've been quoting that verse forever. And he goes, okay, yeah, that was good. And then when he got home, I think he called me back and said, where was that passage again? I told him. And he got into that thing, and he read through that passage, and something ignited in him. The word got in there, and some just revelation happened. The light came on. And he said, he told me the next day, man, I grabbed my cigarettes, I wadded them up in a bowl, and I threw them in the garbage. He says, it was the easiest thing I've ever done. He never smoked a cigarette since. That's the power of God's word, man. That is powerful. And, and, and well, when you're weak, you become strong because that's when Christ's power rests on you. God, I'm weak in this area. I need your strength, your explosive power through your word. Well, the word can also stimulate my growth. I love what Paul said when he's parting with the church in Ephesus. Acts chapter 20, verse 32, he says, Now I commit to you, God, and to the word of his grace, the word of his grace, the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. Whoo! Man, this is good stuff! He says, I gotta leave. I'm not gonna see you anymore. So I'm committing to you the word of God and his grace, the word of his grace to build you up, to stimulate your growth, to give you an inheritance for those who are sanctified. What does that mean, inheritance? Well, look, if you're part of a family, an inheritance is what's rightfully yours. And if your parents passed away and they left you this will, but you never read the will, then you would never get the inheritance that is yours. You're not benefiting from what that which belongs to you rightfully as the child because you don't even know about it. Isn't that a disaster? So many people, even believers, are walking through life and they have no idea what their inheritance is. And it's right in front of them. They're just living weak, weak, anemiated lies, just kind of, ah, and God says, if you would just open the book. I got it all right here. It's all right there. They're not benefiting from what belongs to them as a child. And when you follow Jesus Christ, when, you, when you, you, you've received Jesus into your life, uh, you, you trust him for your salvation, you're a believer. You're not just a believer, but now you're a belonger. 
you belong to the family of God. And with the family of God, when you're in that family, there are responsibilities, but there are also privileges. And those privileges are for you. They're for you. There's a spiritual inheritance in this word that's for you. And you're going to gain from what God has for you. You're going to grow strong. There's not only inheritance on this earth, but one in heaven. And if you go through your entire life not knowing what's in this word, then you will miss out on the power available, the gifts available, the, the wonderful things that God has available, the blessings and the benefits and the promises that are yours in Christ Jesus. It'll stimulate your growth. It's an inheritance that's yours. In 2 Timothy 3, it says that through this word, you can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Hmm. Thoroughly equipped. We all need to be prepared. We must not be insufficient. We have everything we need. The word will also illuminate my mind. I love it. This uh, it, it illuminate. It's Psalms 119, 130 says this. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Do you realize that this word gives entrance to light? Yes. You want to see what God has for you. There's light. What's to light up your minds? What's to light up your minds with truth? Truth for the next step, step you need to take in life. Truth for that relationship you're dealing with that's so, been so difficult. Truth for the feelings that you have that you're not sure how to handle them. What's to give understanding, supernatural wisdom, knowledge, and discernment? Is yours. I want you to succeed in life. It doesn't happen immediately. I've noticed that this is a slow process that he slowly takes us through as we learn line upon line, precept upon precept. Psalms 119.99 says, I have more insight than my teachers. Why? For I meditate on your statutes. It's a meditation. It's the key to turning the light on. It's Focused in on the word of God. It's soaking in the word is what that's about. It turns the light on. So you see things from a different perspective. A God perspective. A different way. Direction, insight, revelation. Knowing what to do. Uh, and the way you get more light is you obey what he shows you. Why would he give you more if you don't obey? So you simply obey. And what happens is the light comes on, so you've got just enough light for the next step. You go, ha, ah, okay. This is, a, this is a learning process for me, Lord, as I discover. Well, we're going to continue to the next one before we run out of time. But the word will illuminate, or no, put it this way. The, Lord, uh, the word of God will elevate your mood. It's going to elevate your mood. It's a mood elevator. Some of you need that right now. Maybe you've been down in the dumps and you're feeling alone like nobody cares. You know what you need? You don't need a coffee break. You need a word break. That's what you need. If you're discouraged. God gave you the Bible to encourage us to, to elevate our mood. Romans 15.4 says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement, they provide, we might have hope. It's really important. Everything in Scripture, it says, was for our encouragement. 
and our hope. Everything that's written in the scriptures means that you read through it and you'll be encouraged. You'll be lifted. A mood elevator. There are tough parts in the Bible, I get it. But even those are meant for our encouragement. Nehemiah, again, he's exhorting the people. It's time for you to move into the year of celebration. He exhorts them to move beyond and move into, to be lifted up once again, for their future is bright if they follow God and his word. Next time you get discouraged, next time you get fatigued, instead of watching TV or jumping on social media, try the Bible. Just try it. Go to the Psalms. Take your time and just see what the Holy Spirit will do. Go to Book of Luke and take your, some advice from Dr. Luke instead of Dr. Oz. It might make a difference. See if you don't get a little bit more oomph in your step, right? The power to change your life, the power to press through. There's power in God's word to change us. Oh, the worship team come out. Nothing has the power to change you like the Holy Spirit and the word of God, partnering together, coupled together to elevate your move. Welcome the Holy Spirit. Psalms 119, 14 through 16 says this. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. I like what the message paraphrase says of verse 14. You're my place of quiet retreat. I wait for your word to renew me. Wow. The word of God is meant to renew you. You are not without powerful supernatural resource, my friends. You are not without what you need. The word of God is meant to encourage you, to give you hope. And Nehemiah was exhorting the people through a week-long reading of the word of the Lord as representing the Holy Spirit to usher them into their future, to take them to a place they'd never been. It's a supernatural time. He says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. I like what Jeremiah 15, 16 says. Your words were found and I ate them. Your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Woo! He devoured the word and something happened. Something supernatural. Mm, there is a substance. When you read this word, when you get up, this is what I do. I'll tell you what I do. First, first of all, I, I spend a lot of time just hanging out with Jesus, talking to the Holy Spirit. I welcome the Holy Spirit. I say, oh, come Holy Spirit. I just bind myself to the Trinity. Speak to me. Stir your thoughts in me. Help me to pray. Help me to intercede. Love my time in the morning with the Holy Spirit. Lord, it's just, look, look, if you are not welcoming the Holy Spirit the moment you get out of bed, you're missing out. He has so much to tell you. He has so much inspiration to give you. Yes. He has his thoughts towards you. He wants, to, he wants you to know and to walk with Jesus. Yes. He wants to lead you in paths of righteousness. He wants to instruct you and he wants you to succeed. He wants to download all kinds of wonderful things and, and he wants to invite, 
He wants, you, he wants to take you on a journey. Invite the Holy Spirit. Every day I say, God, I, be, the Bible says I need to be filled and ongoingly be filled in Ephesians. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, he says. And every morning, Lord, fill me afresh. Fresh fire, fresh anointing. Holy Spirit, I want to know you. I cannot do this on my own. I have nothing. I need the resource of heaven. Just surrender, surrender, surrender to the Holy Spirit. Invite him to, to blow you away, to take you beyond the intellect. Oh, how our intellect gets in the way. How our religious mindsets become barriers. Say, God, I lay that down. Holy Spirit, I am desperate for you. And then when I finally get to where I can read the word and I, before I open it, I say, Holy Spirit, revelation. Open the eyes of my heart. What do you want me to see today? What is in this today that you want me to get in me, to build me, to establish me, to lift me, to counsel me? Because this is alive. This is God breathed. And you'll read stuff in there and you'll see stuff in there. You, you just can't believe it. You go, I never saw that before. Holy Spirit speaking to you. The word of God is coming alive. This is God breathed, man. This is, this is energy, divine energy. It's, it's full of life and power. It's, it's, it's powerful. It's, I'm, getting, I'm getting the Holy Spirit jeebies right now. It's powerful. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts and to discover how you can connect, visit us at churchak.org or download our Church on the Rock AK app from either iTunes or Google Play.